Welcome to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Each weekday, Dr. Crisp will be discussing biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Tune in daily to start your day right and deepen your understanding of how to better walk the way and enjoy the journey. Here's your host, Dr. Tony Crisp. Welcome to On the Way. This is Tony Crisp, and this is the 365 Bible Reading Plan. Today is November the 13th, and our chapter for today is 1 Timothy chapter 2. Paul said, on the basis of everything I've said to you in chapter 1, all of the introductory material I gave you, I exhort you, first of all, the first thing I want to say to you now that we're getting started is this. You need to pray, and he uses three words for prayer, and it talks about all the different aspects of prayer, and the giving of thanks be made for all men. We need to be in love with men. We need to be thanking God for men. People are our business. Now, we're not talking about men, just as in men in general, the Andros. We're talking about mankind. We're talking about the human race. We need to love people. Pastors, listen to me. If you don't love people and you don't like people and you don't want to be around people, get off somewhere by yourself with God and burn in the scriptures until the love of God is poured out in your life for people. People are our business. And if you want to just study and you don't love people, then you need to look and make sure that God has called you to preach. You don't want to be a Jonah. You want to see people saved. You don't want to see people damned and cursed. If that's your heart, you need to get right with God. Can God use you? Will God use you? Yes, but not to your best because God loves people. If you want to be like Jesus, you've got to love people. Jesus loves people. And so he said that you need to pray for all men, but especially for those in leadership, for kings and all who are in authority, those who are in prominence, those who have platforms of leadership. You see, God doesn't give everybody a platform of leadership. But if you've got someone that you know, especially, that could be a great influence in a place of leadership, pray for them. Pray for our president. You say, I don't like him. Pray for him anyway. It doesn't matter whether you like him or do not like him. He's the president. And he is going to have authority over you, whether you like it or not. He's the king, whatever country you're in. If he's the king, you need to pray for him. Why? So that we can live a quiet and peaceable and honorable life with dignity, with reverence, so that we can get on with the business that God has gifted us and enabled us to do. Because you see, This is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior. He wants us to pray for people, even people we don't like. Isn't it a shame that we only want to be around people we like? Well, of course, we all do. But that is an echo chamber. That's where you're going to hear the same thing all the time. Listen, if you're not around anybody that thinks any different than you, you need to expand your circles. I know it's uncomfortable. I know you don't like it. I know that it makes us uneasy. But we need to be uneasy. I'm around people all the time that, I mean all the time, that think different than I do. Why? Because I want to be stretched. I want to be able to have entree into their lives. I want to be able to speak truth into their lives. I may be the only source of truth they're ever around in their lives. 
I deal on across political parties. I deal with people who are Republicans and Democrats and Independents and Green Party. I've known all of those people like that. I've worked with them in Washington and in the state capitals. I have been with them and mingled with them, and I have debated with them and sometimes argued with them, but never mean and nasty and ugly. And the reason is the moment we get that way, that is the moment that we become like them. And so be careful of what you do. And don't get around people all the time that just think like you do and believe like you do as far as the people that you spend all of your time with. Yes, we need to be around those who love our Lord and who love the Word, and we need to spend time with them. But if that's the only people that we're ever around, then we're not going to be salt and light to those who need it. So we need to remember this. We need to be strong enough to know what we believe to get out and talk with people. And the reason this is good is that it's God's desire. It's God's will. It's God's best wishes, if you will, to have all people to be saved. That's optimum. Now, you say, well, God's not hoping, God's not wishing. Oh, I understand that. I'm trying to convey to you that it is optimum in God's mind that all be saved. That's his desire. Now, are all men going to be saved? No, because God has given them a part in that. God has given them a choice in that. I don't understand that, but I just know that the Bible says they can choose. I know he calls. I know he elects. I know he selects. But I also know that men are accountable to choose, and you and I are not to go around lifting people up, see whether they're elect or not, before we talk with them, because that's way above our pay grade. What we have to do is continually be salt and light to men, because it's God's will that all be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. For there's one God and one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus. There's no alternative way for anybody to be saved. There's no deals made on the side. Whether you be Jew or Gentile, whether you be bond or free, whether you be rich or poor, male or female, there is only one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. Now, why is that so? He gave himself a ransom for all, and it will be shared and testified to all in due time. And then he says, for which I was appointed a preacher and an apostle. He said, I am speaking the truth in Christ, and I'm not lying. I am a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and in truth. Now, I want to tell you a story. It's a personal story, so please bear with me. Often people say to me, well, how did you know God was calling you to preach? Well, first of all, I was the most unlikely candidate. Many of you knew how and know how I grew up. I was not the little church boy. I was not one that was in church every time the doors opened. Matter of fact, we didn't ever go to church unless someone came and got us because we lived a long way from any church and unless... Uh, someone came and got us. There wasn't a bus ministry during that time in the area where I was. And so unless a family came and got us, we didn't go to church. And sometimes they did. And a Methodist pastor came and got me early when I was only six years old and my two older brothers and took us to the United Methodist Church in the area. And he took us to vacation Bible school. And I honestly thought I'd died and gone to heaven, whatever that was, because uh, there were people there. They were nice to us and they loved us and cared for us. They taught us about Jesus. That was the first place 
place, first time I'd ever heard the name of Jesus when I was six years old in the United Methodist Church of Riceville, Tennessee. It was just a white cracker box church. It was a beautiful church, beautiful stained glass windows. But all of that amazed me. But what really amazed me was the stories I heard of Jesus, the Son of God. And I kept those in my heart even when I was out in sin. When I was 19 years old, God radically changed my life. God brought me to the point of repentance. I gave my heart. I gave my life. I gave everything that I knew to give to Jesus. My life was changed forever. I have been radically different ever since. Oh, yes, how I have sinned and how I have hurt the Lord and disappointed Him in so many ways. But I can tell you that I'm saved by the grace of Almighty God, and my life has a different trajectory than ever I thought it could be. And so uh, when I was saved at age 19, I began to consume the Word of God. I began to read the Word of God like there was no tomorrow. I became consumed with the Scriptures. I would come in from work, and I would read as long as I could, and then I would go to bed. I stopped running around. I stopped carousing. I stopped a whole lot of things that I should have stopped years before. But, you know, since then, I found out you can do all the things that the people told me to quit doing, quit smoking, quit drinking, quit cursing, quit running around, doing all the things that ungodly young men do. I could have done all that and still died and gone to hell away from God forever. Because, you see, you can stop doing a lot of things, but that's not what changes your life. The Lord Jesus, the Holy Spirit of God that comes into your life, is what saves you and makes you a brand new person. God did more in me in five minutes than all of that. You need to do this. You need to do that. You need to straighten up and fly right did in all the 19 years that people tried to tell me to do that. And so about three months of reading the scriptures and my heart was ready for God. I wanted to serve God more than anything in the world. And I felt like that God may be calling me to preach the gospel. I don't know why. I just had an overwhelming sensation about that. And so I talked with a couple of pastors that I knew, one in particular that took me under his wing and helped me to understand what it meant to be a man of God. I'd just been saved three months. I didn't need to be preaching or anything like that. I just, uh, in a church, I... I just felt like God had called me to preach and teach the Bible. And so I got to the point where I was so restless I couldn't sleep. And I would, when I did go to sleep, I would dream of preaching to thousands of people in a stadium somewhere. And I didn't even know what a stadium was. I hadn't even been in one, but I would see them on TV. And I thought, that's where I'll be preaching. I would wake up and I would just be frightened because that, would, that just scared me to death to even think about that. I got to the point to where I felt like that God had called me to preach, and uh, someone gave me a book by a man named Colton, who was from Dallas, Texas, and it was called The Minister's Mission. And in there, it shared about how God calls a man to preach and the different ways that he calls a man to preach, and that if I would seek the Lord with all of my heart, God would confirm his word to me. And he would not only confirm it to me, but he would confirm it to others. And so there was a period for about 24 hours that I never ran away from God any, but during that 24 hours, I may have shied away for some little bit simply because I felt for sure that God was calling me to preach. But I didn't know anything, so that night 
I saddled up around. It was a cool April morning, and I saddled up around our old stove that was in the living room of the house. My grandmother was sleeping in there, and I was very quiet and had a small light lit around the stove, and I was searching the scriptures, and I said, God, I need help. I need to know. I don't know what else to do. I'm just searching the scriptures to try to find out, is this what you would want me to do? And Lord, if it is, would you just let me know that? Please let me know that. And so I just flipped through the Bible and I said, God, I know this probably is not the way to do it, but if you would just let this open up and let my eyes focus on a place where you could tell me what you want me to do. I know I'm just a child. I don't know what to do, so help me. And I opened up the scripture to 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 12 where it says, Paul said, I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has enabled me because he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. I read that and I shut the Bible very quickly. I mean, I shut it up because it scared me to death because I had just asked God in heaven to speak to me out of what was his word to me. I needed words from God and God spoke to me as clear as a clarion bell. I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has enabled me because he has counted me faithful, putting me in the ministry. And I thought, oh, Lord, this cannot be. That was just a quirk. That was just something that that was odd. I Certainly, that was not something that I need to be doing. And so, Lord, let me try it again. And so I flipped through the Bible back and forth so it wouldn't open up at the same place. And it was a new Bible because I had gotten it in the third grade and never used it very much. I'd gotten it for selling plastic pictures of Jesus and and I'd won the Bible. And so I still have that Bible, by the way, because I never want to forget where God brought me from. And so I flipped it open again, and I said, now, Lord, I won't question you this time. If you'll just tell me, reaffirm it, because I'm, I'm young, I don't know anything. Lord, help me. And I opened it back up, and it went back to the passage I just read to you in 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 7, for which I was appointed a preacher and apostle. I am speaking the truth in Christ and not lying, a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. I read it again, for which I was appointed a preacher. And let me tell you, you can say whatever you want to, but the proof is in the pudding. I knew then beyond any doubt that God had reached down from heaven and by his own words out of the word had given me assurance that he had called me to preach. Now, that was not all of it, but that was the final straw. I knew God had called me to preach. And by the way, 47 years later, almost 48 years later to this very day, on November the 13th, when I'm talking to you, 47 years later, God has been faithful to his word. He has been faithful to me. He has enabled me to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, the mediator, the one mediator between God and man, Jesus, the righteous one. He has allowed me to preach the gospel in countries around the world. He has allowed me to preach the gospel to tens of thousands of people worldwide and here in our own nation. And thousands upon thousands I have baptized with my own hands. And God has confirmed that he can take a little toe-headed boy from East Tennessee. And he can use even the weakest among us. 
because I, like Paul, am the chief of sinners, but God is faithful. Let's rejoice that he can use people just like you and just like me as we walk on the way. This is Tony Crisp. Thanks for listening to On The Way with Tony Crisp. Tune in every weekday for information on biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Fridays are for your questions. Email your questions to questions at TonyCrisp.org. Then just listen for your question to be answered on Friday's podcast. That's questions at TonyCrisp.org. Thanks for listening and have a blessed day on the way.